Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Matthew chapter 27, we're going to look at something specifically I'm going to say is a very small nugget. I have not found this reference to be uh, in a synoptic gospel, which means synonymous with the alternative gospels. There's four. If you didn't know, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the gospels. But Matthew reveals a gold nugget of revelation that Mark, Luke, and John did not reveal. I want us to be reminded on that note really quick. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are okay by themselves, but they're perfected as a puzzle piece, not the puzzle. Because where John might give accounts that are not listed in Matthew, it happened all the same. So in, in its truest perfection of the gospel story, you are combining four puzzle pieces to see the entire story of the gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, what was it, and, and John. So a puzzle piece coming out of Matthew 27 we're going to read. But before I begin, we're talking about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. 1 Peter 3.18 declares, For Christ hath also suffered once for sin. Everybody say once. He don't have to do it again, church. He paid the price once, it says, and for all in Hebrews. But this is 1 Peter 3. For the just and the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, and but quickened by his spirit. How many of y'all know there were what we would consider the word saved in the New Testament? So for relative purposes, we're going to use the New Testament word for the Old Testament time frame. How many of y'all know that there were saved folk in the Old Testament? There was a different covenant that they were under, but they were saved nonetheless. So first Peter says they were saved. he died for both the just and the unjust. He was the perfect offering of sacrifice. 1 John chapter 2, 1 through 2. Pull that one up, sweetheart. We don't have to turn there. If you'd like, of course, for the biblical theologians in this house that can go really fast and would like to, to join us, that's fine. But I do want us to read together in Matthew 27. So 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is our advocate. And verse 2 says, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The reason I bring out those two verses is because we really need to grasp the reality of what we preach. Why do we tell people that Jesus died for their sins? First of all, you cannot evangelize effectively without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because it is only the Holy Spirit that can bring revelation to those that are blind to lift the blinded eyes to bring conviction. Amen? Y'all remember the eunuch in the, uh, the account of Acts, where he was reading the book of Isaiah, right? And it was the Holy Spirit brought revelation to him. Philip had went and, and explained the Gospels. There was the Holy Spirit guiding them through that, but it was specifically the Word of God. That got his attention. I know people in this room that was the word of God that saved him. Not a prophet, not an apostle, not an evangelist, but the Holy Spirit. So get, get this church. When we're talking about evangelism, this is a side note. It's not about you. And that's good because that, that humbles the prideful. 
and that exalts the humbled. That li- the exalting the humbled is basically saying, oh, good, because I ain't got it. Whew. Amen? And it humbles the exalted that says, oh, fine, then. I, I went to Bible college for nothing. Right? Or whatever that might be. However you might fall in that category. Everything that we do for God is not because of you. And in this essence, because you're saved, it's not for you, it's for them. Those that are not saved. So in those two verses, we read that Christ suffered once and for all for the sins of the just and the unjust, that he might bring us to God. That was the reason for the death, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And John is saying that I'm writing this unto you that you sin not the advocate, Jesus Christ, the Father, who was the payment That fancy King James word says propitiation, but we can say the word, he was the payment for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the entire world. Amen. It is available to all, church. It is available to all. Now talking about the crucifixion. Matthew chapter 27, picking up in verse 11. Everybody have a say amen. We're going to be talking about that nugget. I said specifically... The first two verses was understood that Christ died for the sins of the just and the unjust and and paid the price for all the world. Amen? Amen. So we know that the reason Christ died was to be the payment for our sin that we might be joined to the Father in heaven. That's salvation. But the question I pose is not so much why he died, but how did he die? Now, I'm not talking about the method of execution, but what was it that made the religious sect drag Jesus out of a garden and throw him before Pontius Pilate and governor? And Jesus, it says, stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, now I'm in Matthew 27, 11, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and the elders, he answered nothing. So from that point, he didn't say a word. And then Pilate said unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? Don't you hear what they're saying, Jesus? And now you're being silent? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. He was shocked that Jesus just stopped. In fact, the only thing that Jesus says in accordance to Matthew's uh, account of this gospel was simply what we heard with verse 11 is that you say it. Now, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God in the flesh. What's amazing is you'll go through the gospels and Jesus says it in so much subtlety about his deity, about his authenticity as Messiah, the prophesied one. That there are people, even in my own circles over years past, that have said, quote, Jesus never said specifically, I am God. Now to that, they are right to a degree. But you don't, if they don't understand the things that Jesus said that relates to their culture, especially in the Old Testament, they, it was oblivious to them and way over their head. He said it so subtly, but he also said it not so subtly. Amen? Now... He's brought before the governor, and this is the Roman occupation, so the Roman governor. And he's saying, are you the king of the Jews? And the one thing that Jesus said, you said it. And from then on, he has nothing else to say. All the accusations that came against Jesus, 
whether there was all this on the Sabbath and this on the Sabbath. Not one time did he say, hey, well, let, let me just clarify some things. He didn't have to. That's powerful. Now, he marveled greatly. Now we're in verse 15. Now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they gathered together, Pilate said unto him, Whom will I thou... Whom will ye that I release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ. Christ means the anointed one. For those of you that may not know, we, we're, we're, everyone in this room has heard Jesus Christ, right? It's not first name Jesus. He fills out his job application, last name Christ. Christ was the title. He was the Christ, which means he was the anointed one, which means he was the Messiah. So as the people that were present, that were specifically his naysayers, though there were supporters there as well, grieving the situation. When he says, or Jesus, the Christ. He didn't have to add that part. I just noted that the emotion is just saying, oh yeah, your guy. Even though he knew good and well that that's not what they were saying. They didn't want him to be. So verse 18, see, that's the the thing, church. When y'all reading the scripture, pay attention to every single detail. I've said that a thousand times. I'll say it more. Every single detail of scripture is important. Because do we believe that the Word of God in its whole form is pure? It is the unadulterated Word of God. So every word you can take on that account, the way he said it, he could have just said Jesus, but I saw that he said Jesus the Christ. Now, verse 18 says, For he knew, here it is, y'all ready for that revelation? And the reason he said Jesus, which is called Christ, he said it because he knew that it was for envy they had delivered him. The reason Jesus was brought before trial was because the religious sect of that time envied Jesus. Now, one thing to take into account, I firmly believe, and this is me on my own interpretation path. This is not for you. This may be for you. What I'm about to say is not thus saith the Lord. But based on all the things that these religious people that were constantly coming against Jesus, constantly coming against things to try to trap him, Thirdly, constantly accusing him of breaking the Sabbath, constantly doing this for them to be so adamantly against everything Jesus, who supposedly knew the messianic prophecies. Because y'all got to remember, this has been a long time since the first prophecy all the way up until now, there have been more than 2000 messianic prophecies. You're in a 400 year right prior to what was called the silent years. There has been such an agonizing, groaning, waiting for the Messiah. Because at this point, they're at their boiling point. The, 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 the nation of Israel is like, we have got to have our Messiah now. God is always on time, church. Can you get an amen? And if y'all don't know what I'm saying, I'm talking about at the midnight hour. I'm talking about when Jesus shows up, when God answers that prayer. Y'all know what I'm talking about. What am I saying? Because by 7 o'clock, we're like, Lord, how much longer we've waited forever. By 8 o'clock, by 9 o'clock, I'm talking about that midnight hour. By 11 o'clock, we're like, it'll never happen. Come on, Jesus. So you know when God shows up, the nations were in groaning, agonizing. We have got to get this Messiah now. They wanted him yesterday. There were even people in the, the, the historical accounts, not in the scriptures, of women that were, caught, were saying and praying in the temple, saying that I wanted to. There was like the, the, the who are you going to be the Messiah's uh, mom? Are you going to give birth to the Messiah? I sure hope it's me. You're going to give birth to the Messiah. 
saying all that I had to say this, I firmly believe that it wasn't so much that they didn't believe that he was. I think that they knew he was Messiah, but they absolutely hated him because he made them look bad. It was for envy that they crucified him. They were jealous of the anointed one. And I'm going to say that again. They were jealous of, listen, the anointed one. And I'm looking at people in here in this room that I firmly believe are full of the Holy Ghost and power. If you're anointed, get ready for jealousy. Come on, somebody. If you're anointed, get ready for the jealous ones. In Galatians 5.19, I would love for us to turn there. It's going to be just a few verses. But please let us turn to Galatians 5.19. As we're talking about specifically envy, that it was envy that led God to that old rugged cross to pay the price for our sins. Now, granted, of course, we know that was the plan, right? And that's okay. His purpose was to come and to die. We say that pride is the root of all sin, which is true. We know that the love of money is the root of all evil. That is true. But I want us to highlight the very act of crucifying God himself was birthed on the foundation of envy. And I want us, number one, of two things. Number one, to do self-reflection and say, God, if I have envy in my heart, reveal it that I might repent of it and go on. Because remember, you are only you and you can't be them. I'm going to say that again. You are only you and you cannot be them. God made you. God made you. God made you. So you got to be the best self with the Holy Spirit empowering you. And once we get rid of that envy, you'll find that just maybe those gifts and callings that are without repentance will stir up even greater in you because you've released it. And then you'll find yourself in a position where you were envious of, now you are in the position of. Amen? Galatians 5.19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. This is going to be a, a listing of the works of the flesh. Now, it says adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, and if you don't know lasciviousness, as we always say, is all manner of sin. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Verse 21, say it together. One, two, three. Envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in the times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Everybody say, Amen. We have a long list. Anyone that involves themselves and allows the spirit of envy, which is a spirit, uh-huh, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What, how, what did Jesus call these same people that turned them over from envy? You sons of Satan, you brood of shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't care how much Torah you've memorized. I don't care how much scripture you know. But when you allow envy in your heart and you despise someone else's calling, someone else's anointing, you are positioning yourself, let's just say, in a very bad place. 
against God. Only but a few to list. Y'all remember Cain and Abel? Ooh. When Abel's sacrifice was respected by God and his was not, Cain killed his brother out of envy. Another I found. When Korah was envious of Moses, he was swallowed up by the earth. When Saul let envy consume him because of David's anointing, the result was that he was killed in battle. Of course, he committed suicide. He fell on his own sword. The Bible tells us, church, and I, I, like I said, I want y'all to y'all really, really reflect. That was number one. Number two, to support. I don't want to just be neutral ground. I want us to look at one another, encourage one another, and say, thank God for your anointing. Thank God for your anointing. That's for everybody in this room. I don't care what pew you're sitting on. Front, back, middle, sideways, if there is one. Where you stand, where you fall, how long you've known Jesus. God has a call on your life. And I want to encourage every last one of y'all. As I come to a close, Proverbs 14.30 says this. A sound heart is life to the body. But envy is rottenness to the bones. Envy is rottenness to the bones. And I'm not going to name a name, but I want to tell you all a very real, real life testimony. This woman I'm about to tell you about, she had passed away. And I'm not going to say who she was, but I will tell you this. This was a woman that was constantly jealous of people. I knew in my, her own, in my own life, being around her, she was constantly envious of other people. And when, when you have envy, there's other spirits to come along. You can't just have envy. You know what else comes with envy? Gossip. Slander, strife, every evil word, complaining about other people. Toward the end of her life, she found out that she had bone cancer. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. We read scripture a lot in spiritual terms, but I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, a lot of it's literal. Now, I'm not saying anyone in this room is going to get osteoporosis if you don't repent of envy. But I am telling you, you are positioning yourself for a lot of judgment otherwise. God himself, who came in love to redeem mankind, was thrown to his death penalty because of their envy. Because of their jealousy. Because of their slander. And these were religious people. So he ain't preaching to those sinners. Sinners will sin. Can I say that? Sinners will sin. In fact, these church people, us here, when we go out there and we see a, a, an alcoholic drinking, no offense, but duh, they need Jesus. Sinners will sin. The question is, why are the saints still holding on to things? 2 Peter 2.20 tells us that it's worse for us in the end than it was for the beginning because we went back. Proverbs says, a dog returning to its vomit is worse than its folly. Envy is rottenness to the bones. And I'm going to tell y'all this, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, y'all know me. I'm not presumptuous. I'm not saying anybody. But I want us, as the Holy Spirit, to put any message, listen, reflect, number one, Lord, do I have envy in my life? Number two, and this could go for everybody, help me remember to encourage those around me who I know God has called even if they're young in the faith. 
Sister, you're going to get there. Keep praying. Brother, oh, I see God all over you. Don't be afraid to open your mouth because God's calling you to do that. It's okay. He's going to give you the words. Be conscious of the people that are around you and bring that encouragement. Some of y'all are going to be pastors one day. Mm. Some of y'all are going to be prophets. It's already in your heart because God has birthed it. He's, the gifts and callings are without repentance. He's got to cultivate it and let it grow. And then when it's ready for harvest, you're ordained and released. Christ was the anointed one. He was crucified because of envy. We are anointed people. The scripture says that we're anointed. Amen? Amen. Then let us not envy one another, but let us encourage one another. And just maybe you'll find your own anointing increase in your life. Amen? Amen. Let us stand. Nothing in vain repetition, but it is that time that we ask God, Lord, this message you have delivered to us, pastor included, do I fall in this category? If I have been envious and jealous of other people in my life. And church, listen, though the point and the, the, the root of the theme was jealous of the anointed people in our lives, I would go so far as to say envy in general. Even if they're not saved, envy is still sin. Amen? No matter the target. So, Lord, if there's anyone, saved or unsaved, in our lives that we have willfully allowed our heart to be consumed by envy and jealousy, Lord, forgive me. And we say, Lord God, we pray in this place. These altars are open, but I'm going to do a corporate thing. I'm going to make sure that everybody gets this. So you can come to the altars if you want, but I'm still going to make y'all pray in the pew. Amen? So, Lord, we just pray this moment. Again, these altars are open. Y'all can come if you want. But I'm praying, Lord God, reveal envy in our hearts that we might repent, that we can turn away. But God, we pray over this congregation and all here, God, that those that love you, that would be more conscious of their words to those that are around us and say, you can do it. There's more. Come on, brother, sister. Come on, brother, sister. You got this. Because you got the Holy Ghost. You got Jesus in you. The Bible tells us that he has chosen to put his glory in earthen vessels. Lord, we humble ourselves in this place, God. Oh, Jesus. You know, church, once we get the revelation of building one another up in the anointing and call that God has on our lives, I tell you what, church, we're going to be a lot more effective in our communities and our families. Because if we're not getting encouragement from our own family in church, then where else are we going to get it? This is that place. This is the only place that you can expect and almost be assured that they will lift you up and not tear you down. Lord, anoint us in this room. We say as Isaiah, Lord, here am I, send me. We say as Samuel, Lord, yes, here I am. We surrender to the call on our life, Lord God, as individual. And those that are to our left and to our right, before us and behind us. God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would anoint them continually, Lord. I pray increase in the gifts and increase in the anointings. 
and, and or a place of discipleship that will lead to ordination in the office that you have called them to be, whether apostle, evangelist, prophet, teacher. Lord, we submit to your call. We worship you in this place, God. We thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for your resurrection power. And God, that same spirit of envy that, that drug you to that cross, though thankful for the, 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 that sacrifice that was intended to be, let us not be guilty of the spirit of envy. In the mighty name of Jesus. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.